0: Hope
1: you're hungry because you're listening to Everybody Eats. We laughed, and I, and I saw this in general and just the media. We laughed at LeVar Ball. yeah Now, granted, tactics completely over the top, maybe even unacceptable in certain instances. But how do we mock a guy for understanding and acknowledging the fact that people are buying sneakers because his child's name is on the side of it? People do not buy KD's because of Phil Knight and him owning Nike. They buy KD's because of Kevin Durant. Mm. They buy LeBron's because of LeBron. They buy Jordan's because of Jordan. If you do not have an ownership stake in that, then you're being fleeced. Mm. And I don't care if you get $50 million, but if the company's getting trillions of dollars or billions of dollars, you're being shortchanged. What's
0: up? What's up, everybody? We're back again with another episode of Everybody Eats. This is episode nine. Can't believe we're already at nine episodes, but we have a really good episode here today with co host Vensky there. We have co host Stephen on the phone here again here with Mr. Corey Orms, the e, gotta say the M. And we're here with a very special guest, Mr. Freddie Mullins. All right, no. So. Before we start, make sure that you're following us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're on there, so make sure that you're following, subscribe, and if you like the content, make sure to write and leave a review, give us a nice five stars, or just be honest, you know, so definitely follow us, YouTube page is in the works, Um, hopefully by the time this drops the page is up, if not, it's coming, I promise. All right. So we have a really good episode today. So we'll start with Mr. Freddie Mullins. Um, so just introduce yourself. What do you do? Where are you from?
1: Uh, my name is Freddie Mullins. I work for a mutual fund company and uh, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Woo! I'm shout out to, here in Virginia now.
0: Shout out to Brooklyn, that big BK. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. So what brought you down to Virginia? Uh, I actually ended up going to school down here. I went to college at UVA. Uh, went back to New York to try and look for a job right after the dot-com bust. That did not work out well. Mm. So I ended up right back here. Uh, ended up getting married with my high school girl, with my college girlfriend, and I now have a son who's 16 years old and just down here working. Hey, right. All right. That's that. That's that black love. That's, what I... <laughs>
2: That's <what I> like <laughs> it brings you back, bro. <laughs>
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, So, I really enjoy uh, having Freddie here. Him and I at work were always just chopping it up, having great conversations. So, I thought, you know what, why not have him on the podcast? So, uh, a few weeks back, we had a really uh, interesting conversation about ownership and the importance of ownership in your life, whether it's in music, you know, it could be uh, now we have the NCAA rule where um, you know students can now uh, profit off their likeness so that's something that we'll start talking about today um, so starting with ownership um, I guess we just talked about in the business field uh, coming from your perspective mm-hmm. we'll start uh, mr. ya designs <laughs> you have your clothing line you have your uh, music studio so how, how important would you say is ownership to yourself and to uh,
2: those industries Okay, uh, ownership plays a big role in both of those uh, categories, whether, the, whether it's the clothing line or it's the music industry, right? Ownership, you talk about copyright, yeah. music, uh, the copyright infringement, stuff like that. You got to, once you, the thing about music is, or poetry or any form of art, once you create it, it's automatically copyrighted, right? So that's automatic ownership in music. With clothing line, it's kind of different you're talking about patent, right? You're talking about your trademark right there. Like the Nike trademark, for example, out of the swoosh, yeah. that's trademark, mm-hmm. right? So it's important to have that ownership because it builds the brand. Okay. So the ownership build, helps to build the brand. And we know how important brand building is because imagine if everyone could use the swoosh, yeah. then everyone could wear Nike, you know yeah. what I mean? So ownership is a very big role in any b- brand building when it comes on to business.
0: So, what are the logistics of trademarking and ownership and stuff like that? Can one of you speak on that? Uh, you'll probably speak to it better
2: than I can. Uh, when you say logistics, like, what do you mean? Like you say, um, you said it's a it's a trademark,
0: right? So, what what does that actually mean?
2: Okay, a trademark is basically, as it said, a mark for your trade, like your specific brand, your specific item, right? So, whether it's the three lines from Adidas. Or the swoosh from Nike, right? Or the 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 two Gs from Gucci. Mm. That's your trademark. That's your brand. That's 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 what, or it's the name. Yeah. You could patent the name, and trademark the name. So that's your mark, as the name suggests, a trademark. Okay. Yeah. So it's just a mark for your trade or your specific product. So there's
0: actually, um, when it, like you mentioned, when it comes to clothes, there's a lot of like legal and I believe there's legal processes to make sure that you do get it patented. So yeah. um, I'm still learning, you know, the specifics about that, um, about getting it patented.
1: Do you know more about that? And Probably more in terms of I know that there are specific processes, documentations that you complete to have ownership mm-hmm. and have that patent uh, legally binding. Um, The biggest part that I've always understood is having licensing and having other people providing others with authority to use that logo and that underwriting. It's all about ownership. I think in terms of the process, we need to be aware of the process. But I also think that Historically, I don't know if we've done the best job of communicating that down generationally, making sure that younger people understand that process and understand the importance of it, and really the link back to generational wealth. I think mm. that's really the emphasis that I normally have with it. It's always about, just like uh, you are saying, you know, about branding and about building your brand and about building your name out here. But at the same time, it's about having that ownership, keeping that ownership within your family, within your grouping, and make sure you maintain that yeah. because there's wealth associated with that, yes, and that's yeah. the important part to me
0: definitely one thing that you brought up you said generational wealth and that's a word or a phrase uh, that i've been hearing a lot lately just listening to different podcasts and just the more that i've been growing my business and seeing what i want to accomplish and what my goals are in life so one uh big um i get not necessarily aspect or one big um what's the word i'm thinking of part of generational wealth is like real estate that i've heard you know being able to own your own piece of land, house, property. And I was listening to Earn Your Leisure uh, this week and they had, I forgot the name of the guest that they had, but essentially he said that, um, it was actually two brothers. They said that their mother told them that, quote, you're not a man until you own the floors that you walk on. And that, that hit, you know, that hit a lot. Like, you know, when it comes to just owning property coming, uh, comes to, you know, owning owning your own house, like that is where generational wealth, when you own a house, that's something that you could pass on to your kids, you know, and then your kids, kids, and so to speak. So, you know, that's definitely not something you want to take lightly, or you just want to you know, pass up on. If you definitely have the opportunity to own your own house, like, it's not don't think about it, just a bill that you have to pay every month, because if you're renting, you're going to have to pay that, you know, amount anyway. So you might as well pay towards owning something, having equity, having assets, you know. And I think one thing that you um, brought up um, that really touched me was saying that when you saw it, Whoa. when you said that you grew up in Brooklyn in an apartment, correct? And then now you live in Virginia out on five acres, you know, so having your son being able to play basketball outside and you're telling me you have chickens in your backyard and <laughs> things like that so to me um like could you explain like why i guess why did you choose or like decisions that you know led you to owning that house and why you chose like that
1: um i think the biggest thing for me was about owning land i think land was a big piece of it um coming from new york and coming from brooklyn you don't have very much land so i thought that that was just a unique opportunity um i think the other piece was about owning something um, again, I grew up in apartments, whether it be in East New York or in Brownsville. Um, and you have people on top of one another. Um, I never wanted my son to grow up that way. I also had a really similar experience recently where um, the home that my grandparents owned from the time that they moved from Nicaragua here in the 50s was sold by my, by my father and by my aunts and uncles. Once they passed, understood their decision making. And there were a lot of other factors that factored into that decision as well. Um, but at the same time, to watch a piece of land... That had been worked extremely hard for by my grandparents. You know, my granddad was a doorman at Rockefeller Center. My grandmother was a maid on the Upper East Side. Mm. Um, To see people struggle in that regard to own a home, to have that passed on generationally and to see that lost, I think is a very hurtful thing. Um, Everybody makes decisions based upon what they're going through at that time in their life. Um, But again, it's such an important thing to consider the generational impact and how that impacts those downstream. Um, At this point now, my family in New York, we no longer own property. Um, That's a somewhat hurtful thing. Um, I think the other thing that you look at and the other piece that factors in is we're from New York originally. Um, This place is being gentrified, just like almost every major American city that we have here in America. And what you're finding are a number of brown people and people in inferior socioeconomic situations almost being forced out of their homes, whether it be through increased taxes or whether it's through opportunities for them to make money off of that home sale. Um, I think we just end up missing the boat. I think we've seen that in the growth of downtown Brooklyn, mm. um, where you've seen people sell their homes. Those property values have exponentially grown, whether it be through the expansion to the Barclays Center or other yeah. businesses that are now coming in that area. And black people are now missing out on that opportunity. Um, I think it's very, very important that Older people, I'm not making myself older than you guys because that makes me (laughs) feel a little bad. But it's very important that elders older than all of us share that information with the youth and and make sure that we keep that focus. Um, If not, I think we'll stay in the same economic position that we've been in this country for some time.
3: I just want to piggyback off that. Um, I don't know if one of you guys said that to me yesterday or maybe I was listening to something. Somebody said the United States is for sale. It is... All land that's been bought and acquired through, like, Louisiana purchase and and other stuff, we've been just doing acquiring land, making trades with other countries, discovering it, quote unquote. But <laughs> United States is for sale. So, as you know, people of color or people in general, we should be taking advantage of that and not just you know renting or uh, leasing or whatever. But we should like like you say, Freddie. Um, Buy some land and pass it down through generation and generation.
2: And the thing about it is when you own something, you can do whatever you want with it. Mm -hmm. If you buy a house, you can knock it down if you want Mm -hmm. and then rebuild it all over again. If you're paying rent, at that point, you can't do nothing. You barely can even poke a hole in the wall to hang a picture. You know what I mean? So having ownership to own your own stuff, it gives you a lot of freedom is what I'm trying to say, to do whatever you want to do with whatever you own whether it's it's a trademark or it's the house you live in or it's the car you drive you know what i mean it gives you the freedom of ownership to do whatever you want to do with it and that's that's real powerful um there's this one example i heard
0: i don't have all the full details in mind because i just thought of it but essentially i believe uh beyonce she was um she was asked to pretty much like do like do a show or do a concert or something. and say, for example, I think she was offered say like ten million dollars mm-hmm. to uh, like do the concert. Um, I think she denied it so she could get like two million dollars to do like a video or like a documentary instead. All right? I don't have the full details. But then she chose, To do like the video or documentary for less money instead of doing the concert for 10 million then what happened was that she was able to i think do a contract with netflix so they could air that documentary so then now she was making money once she got more money through the contract and then like whenever someone streamed it or so she was making money off of that so she ended up passing on that 10 million to say make i'm throwing out like 50 million but i forgot i don't remember the exact numbers but essentially... The moral of the story. The moral of the story was that she took less money so she can own something, so then now she has the ability to use it to her advantage and make more money down the line instead of just taking the quick money right now, and then boom, that's it. You know? And I believe LeBron had a very similar story when he was in high school, where I think he was offered a bunch of money by, like, Reebok or something like that. Um, if you know the full details, and definitely...
1: Yeah, I know a little bit of, I mean, I know... I know so many of these stories of people being offered short money and understanding that it's short money and then making the decisive decision to be a part of actual ownership. Uh, I believe that happened with the young man who played Simba in The Lion King. They offered him $2 million for the role. He took a fraction of the money for a a portion of ownership on the back end. And whether that be the film or the, the play or the remake of the film, he's making assets decades later off of that individual singular decision that was really promoted by his parents as well. Um, again, it's just a very, very important that we kind of keep that focus in mind, that it's not about the short money. And especially some of us who, again, there's not this idea that all black and brown people are in an inferior socioeconomic position, because that's not the case. Yeah. But if you are in a short economic position, you still have to make the decisions that allow you to have actual ownership. I'm a huge podcast listener. It's part of the reason why I listen to your podcast. Appreciate it. And I've listened to the Joe Budden podcast, for instance. No free promo. But (laughs) in regards to listening to that podcast, I watched them not make revenue off of that podcast for years. For years. That's a conscious decision. Now, I have no idea what their socioeconomic position is, but they were willing to make that decision to wait for an actual ownership opportunity within Spotify Whatever that may be, I just think there's a certain amount of suffering that may have to occur in the short run for you to get to a place where you actually own something and pass it on. And again, make residual income further down the line.
2: And that's going to add something to that real quick. And it makes a lot of sense because that is like you can epitomize the music industry in a way like you're an artist. You're about to blow up. Right. And these labels, they come at you, come at you, come at you. And they offer you nothing that you actually will own. Right? They say, "Okay, here's ten million dollars up front, but you you don't own any of those music that's gonna live on for years. You don't own any of that. They own all of that, and like I said, wise decision short term, long term, you gotta think about it. You know what I mean, try to get some ownership for your stuff before you run into any contract or any labels that goes out for musician, uh, the young guys getting drafted, you know what I mean, those young um n f l players, football players. Uh, the NBA, whatever sports you do, whatever it you do.
1: You bring up the music industry, Yeah, Sam Cooke's fighting for his masters there in publishing go. in the there late 50s, or early 60s, there and you, you, you still have five generations of musicians who come after him who don't understand that process, there who still to this mistake. day don't understand publishing. Yeah, We laughed, and I, and I saw this in general and just the media, we laughed at LeVar Ball. Yeah. Now granted, tactics completely over the top, maybe even unacceptable in certain instances, But how do we mock a guy for understanding and acknowledging the fact that people are buying sneakers because his child's name is on the side of it? People do not buy KDs because of Phil Knight and him owning Nike. They buy KDs because of Kevin Durant. They buy LeBron's because of LeBron. They buy Jordan's because of Jordan. If you do not have an ownership stake in that, then you're being fleeced. Mm. And I don't care if you get $50 million, but if the company's getting trillions of dollars or billions of dollars, you're being shortchanged. So the point when he says, no, I'm going to make my own shoe, whether it be an inferior shoe, again, or whatever the process may be, however we critique that, the concept and idea that we're going to make the majority of the revenue because people are coming here for us is important. And it's something that we all should support.
3: I, I have one question for for Freddie right before we segue into another topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you sound very experienced with this, and I'm sure you are. I know you are. But um, what for our listeners? What is the importance of money, like the time value of it? Um, how important is it to to keep that wealth? You know, you say the phrase generational wealth. Of course, you know, and and, and money wealth isn't just you know, paper and monetary, but focusing on the paper aspect, because I know a lot of our listeners, you know, may not get the idea or the phrase that a dollar today is worth less than a dollar tomorrow. So could you like expand on that real briefly
1: if you can? Sure. I, I think um, so I would preface this by the fact that I don't think I'm, I'm wealthy. Uh, you know, I, I do fine, uh, you know, but I think I've been around some wealth and I've been around real poverty. Um, to me, money is nothing more than opportunity. It's the ability to do as you please. Uh, That's important, though, and I think we lose sight of the importance of that. It's not about just garnering money for yourself, but in a certain instance, it's about creating opportunities for those around you. If I do not have enough money to be able to take care of my family, my family has to then struggle to figure that out. I may not be able to provide educational opportunities for my children. I may not be able to expose them to the other things in life that they should be experiencing. That's what money provides. It's not power... I don't view it as anything other than that. Exactly. It's nothing more than a resource like fire and water or anything else that you have around you. Um, But it does have its importance. And I think this idea, you know, I support a number of liberal programs, a number of, you know, even democratic socialist programs, whether that be in education, whether that be in medicine. Those are things that I support because I'd hate to see impoverished people not receive help. But at the same time, we have to have money. Yeah. We have to have money, and it does serve a purpose, and it's not an evil, awful thing that we should be running away from. Look at, look at minority communities across the country. This is an economic issue. People commit crimes because they don't have money to put food on the table. Yeah. If I can't look towards someone who can provide an, 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 an employment opportunity for me, someone who will hire me and trust me, then how am I supposed to provide for those around me? The idea is that hopefully you can have money for yourself, you can have money for your family, but then even thinking broader, for your community. The fact that you young guys, again, and I've spoken with all of you, the fact that you guys have an ownership stake in a business, whether it be a clothing company or a studio, you guys already understand that idea. In fact, down the line, again, someone will come to you. I've done uh, employment opportunities and and gone to career fairs. My only hope is that a kid looks at me and goes, I can go talk to that guy. I can have a conversation with him. and don't have to be fake about it. And he can help me figure out what we're supposed to be doing. I think that is really how I view money. And I, and I hope that's how the younger generation views it as well.
0: Definitely, definitely. Right, thank you t-
1: for that. I, thank you.
0: And when you talk about, you know, talking to someone at a career fair, that's how I met you at a career <laughs> fair. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, I really appreciate that. So, um... Let's take a quick uh, break and then we'll go into our word of the day. And then after that, we'll go into our next topic. Cool. All right. So Edom, do you have the word of the day for us or quote of the day? I like saying word. Of the
3: day. Uh, yes, I do. All right. Let's hear it. All right. And I'm better get this one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> It's really all about the money and the power. I just want to see my people empowered.
0: That sounds like a musician. <laughs> that's Joey Badass. <laughs>
2: that's- what song is that, though? Uh,
0: yeah, that's part two. That's hard.
2: That's the teamwork. I said musician. You <laughs> <going> to- <laughs>
3: it's time for you to guess the song, Freddie. Yeah, hard. I know. It's off.
2: Is that America? No.
3: It's off the album.
0: I don't know. Give up. But we guess the song. We, yeah, we, the know, the we I, know the artist. Uh,
3: it's the song Temptation by Joey Badass. Temptation by Joey Badass.
0: Can you say the quote one more time?
3: It's all about the money and the power. I just want to see my people empowered.
2: Nah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to piggyback off that quote real quick, it's just exactly what you just said. Like, use it as a resource to empower your people, empower your family. You know what yeah. I mean? Empower you, get your, your child to school, yeah. or empower your community, somebody who's lesser than you. You know what I mean? So, yeah.
0: Definitely, definitely. Completely
2: rela- relatable to what he just said.
0: And shout out to Joey Badass. You're slacking because he hasn't dropped an <laughs>
2: album in a little
0: while. But, you know, that's a different topic for a different day. All right. So now, Brooklyn born and raised, too. Yeah. So. Brooklyn born and raised. <laughs> Pro-era. Pro Pro-era. Exactly. Exactly. So shout out to them all. Uh, they make great music. Um, so now we'll segue into our uh, second, last topic. We'll see. Um, of the day. And... That is the new rule for the NCAA. Uh, I've had this conversation with with <laughs> Freddie.
2: What does um, the rule say?
0: So essentially, uh, the NCAA now allows students to profit from their likeness and their like selling of their yes.
1: materials. They basically, for the most part, can now profit off of themselves. Wow, uh, and that I think is like the just a people? revolutionary thing. Yes. So if I'm a yeah. college athlete, I can wow. sell a T-shirt. I can post that online. I can make money off of myself. Again, not having the university provide me with anything, no one else is providing me with anything. My ability, in the good American way, has generated revenue for me. So that sounds like all it. that sounds all fine and dandy,
0: but I I don't know. Like for me personally. Let's see. I think I think it's a good rule. It sounds nice. Um, I'm interested on do you think that's going to now affect about how they get scholarships? Because I think one issue or one talking point before was that a lot of these students, say it was football or basketball, for example, a lot of them are getting full ride scholarships. So they don't have to worry about tuition. They don't have to worry about books. And when you're on those sports teams, especially if you're a star athlete, at one of these big schools, realistically, anything that you need in school is going to be provided. Okay. right? So now I wonder if, you no, know, if they're going to be now, you have someone like Sion Williamson, right? He, I'm sure he didn't have to pay a dollar while he was at he was in college. But now if he can start making money, and he would have made stupid amounts of money, and now he can start making money off of his likeness. As, as a school, do I have to start now paying for, you know what I mean? Why am I going to give you a scholarship if I know that you're going to start making money off of yourself? Alright. Uh... I think... Uh, go up, go ahead, pay. eat him. go ahead go
3: ahead, go ahead. all right um,
2: <laughs> I couldn't wait to take the it.
1: <laughs>
3: go ahead, eat. Him. but um uh, before the rule was passed the uh, the one like the one key term which stopped them from getting paid was the term amateurism, which uh says like a student athlete participating in a sport should not be driven by this is like uh, an abridged version, so they shouldn't be driven by monetary um, incentives. So they should be driven by like the uh, educational, emotional, social, uh, anything other than money, the, the benefits of that. Because if they get paid like professional players, they're not considered amateurs. They're, uh, I don't know how that works exactly,
2: but technically they're not considered amateurs. <laughs> like halfway there? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh. My input on the situation is I'm for it. And this is why. Right, Everybody wins I'm going, to say, I'm going to tell you why I say that Right, For the school They are going to get a cut off that Whatever jersey he's selling Or whatever cleats he's selling If he's a football player or, or whatever They're going to get a cut off that So that's revenue for them as well Right And I think there should be an age limit On it though Like say 18, 19, 20 As long as you're above 18 You are able to do that you know, what I mean, maybe below 16, 17, you just left high school, going to the college. You don't need that. You know, what I mean, you need to focus more. But if you're 18, you can start a business, whether you're in college or not. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. So why can't you earn while you're at, while you're doing what you love in college just the same? You're saying about the full ride, like some of them have full rides, right? But at the time when they earned the full ride, they weren't making any money. So, I think it's fair they, they were sixteen and fifteen year olds at the time when they get called for these colleges and get full scholarships from high school, right? So from that's high school true, that's true. so they weren't making any money, so it was the raw talent that got them there, and now they're old enough to make some money off it, why not and and get an education while you're at it? I think what
3: since what the colleges did to kind of combat that a little bit is instead of students getting paid you know let's say like five hundred a game or whatever. They get like other benefits such as like laptops, uh, iPads, you know, anything connected to their education. They got that was a way of compensating the players. And I don't think personally colleges will stop paying for these players' um, tuition or anything. I I personally think they might cut back on such rewards like uh, laptops or computers or whatever they give them. Because regardless, any sports teams. Uh, in college, that makes that, that wins in their conference, right? The school gets paid for that, and then they get paid. So, let's say, let's take Duke, for example, uh, they won their conference, right? Duke got paid, and then for every round they advanced, you know, under uh, Zion and RJ's leadership and all those other players, the school got money for every single game they played and won. So, regardless, the school isn't losing money per se. Um, if anything, the students, the only one gaining, cause on top of that, their coaches are lining their pockets, their, um, school is lining their pockets. The NCAA, a billion dollar industry is lining their pockets using these players. You know, there was like a NCAA game released and they use players, um, images and, and, and all that, you know, without their, I would say express
2: consent. So it's back to ownership, their copyright ownership. Mm-hmm. Do you know that your face is copyright that each time Jay-Z and Beyonce and each one of them go on the TV, they get money for that mm-hmm. because you're using their face? Didn't know that, did you?
3: No. Nah, I heard something like that.
1: Yeah. Once. Yeah. Because they understand. They get it. I believe. Yeah. You. So uh, I, I think. Um. One, we're doing way too much Duke talk here. UVA won the <laughs> national championship. <laughs> up examples first. Uh, number two, I think, uh, no, man, I, uh, man I, I, I wholly support this change, man. I, and again, I, I struggle with those who romanticize college and amateurism and, and all the things they grew up with. I, I love college sports. I love athletics in general. I've watched uh, coaches go from making a million dollars to a coach like Calipari pull down over eight million dollars a year I now see coaches who make money off of sneaker endorsements coaches who have their own shows who have their own podcasts, All make a fortune off of it schools make money off of TV contracts packed stadiums Mm -hmm. winning championships Mm -hmm. Apparel and everything else. There's never an issue. There's never a question about it. We're all happy to see that Um, There has to come to a certain point where we want athletes to be compensated. they are the labor uh they're the force behind any of these victories. They're the ones who's producing this result um if anybody deserves a piece of the pie, it's them
3: I think Tim Tebow said this like he was uh heard he was against it um and his reasoning was similar to the the phrase amateurism I guess uh, it takes out the authenticity
0: I think that's what he yeah
3: was yeah he said like uh. It takes out like the love of the game, you know. It's like I didn't, you know, I didn't get paid in college, or I wouldn't have wanted to get paid because I, I did it for the love of the game. I so think he's hate. You think.
2: I just <laughs> think he's hate. He's
3: straight up hate,
0: bro. No, but but I mean, we'll we'll see. But I think at least for me personally, what I witnessed and what I really enjoyed about college sports was that um there is a difference in motivation i think if you're playing for one to love the game and if you know that you're going to be getting money and getting contracts i think that's one thing that's a common thought between the difference between college sports and and for example like say college sports and the professionalism right you know when you when you know you're making millions of dollars off of your contract, you're going to play a little bit different. Like, yo, I'm getting paid millions anyway than when you're playing for school and it's like, oh, you're playing your heart out to make it to the league, right? So I think at least growing up, that's what I really loved about college sports was because there was that motivation of like, I'm not getting paid anything. I'm paying so I could go make it. And that's what I really loved about college sports. And that's something that Tim Tebow also expressed. I get it. Some people have this argument that like, you know what I mean? Like, yo, when I go back home, my family is starving. I'm not going to sit here and, like, ran, like, you know, rail on poverty. Obviously, you live in condition, uh, that's really unfortunate. But, like, I think that me personally, I think that authenticity is what just makes college sports college sports. I think that's what, you know, besides it, it just being people playing the sport, I think it's just the heart behind it and the reasoning behind it. You know what I mean? Um... Am I for people, you know, students making money, you know, off themselves? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and think that's a bad idea. But I think on the quote-unquote moral side, I think it kind of just changes, you know, the motivation of it when, like, all right, I'm playing to make money or am I playing to, you know, because I love the sport.
1: I just wonder, to a certain extent, what distinguishes college sports that are predominantly played by african-americans we don't have this conversation about tennis players we don't have this conversation about golfers much. we don't even speak about this there are soccer players right now who get paid millions of dollars at 14 15 to join clubs in europe yes, we're right. fine with it it doesn't mm-hmm. bother us in the least but somehow when we get to that's this true. space wait, and different. again i'm, 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 I'm not i'm villainizing you yeah. individually in no way shape or form i'm saying in general if you look at the discourse that we have We've never had this conversation about Jennifer Capriati playing tennis. We never considered that or or talked about it. We didn't care. Because in America, you have a right to make revenue where you can make revenue if you're doing so legally. I just don't understand why there's such a limitation in this one space. And again, it's surprising that it's in a space that generates the most revenue. This is the space that generates all of the money. I understand Duke pays for girls' soccer and, and men's golf with basketball money, with football money. So I don't understand why we, again, work so hard. And, and I think the other argument is these kids aren't getting a piece of that pie. They're creating their own oh pie. My, exactly. uh, and, again, I, I just struggle with that. You look at a kid like Zion who is from rural South Carolina. Why should he have to remain in poverty a second longer than he has to? Not to say that he is in poverty, just saying based upon the area. A kid like LeBron James, if he does attend college, if they don't change that rule and he's not allowed to go directly to the league, he is staying in Akron housing projects for $17 a month. He has to stay there while whether it be Ohio State or Duke or whatever college he goes to makes revenue off of his back. I just don't know how we as a society, focus so much on how we view what they're doing and don't look at the actual impact on the individual. I just feel like the, 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 the place that you're in with your family, what you're able to provide, again, this conversation about generational wealth, making money as early as you can, because in the American way, I should be able to make money as early as I would like. Uh, again, I just don't understand, and maybe someone can explain that to me, what redefines that in this space for college basketball players, football players. Let's see, it, I think it kind of
3: sounds like a new form of slavery if you think about it, but you know, like not new form but a form in a sense. If like you said, we're making money off his back, right? Off their labor, you know, what But they it's not no no no. It's school. not
0: labor. It's not labor it's a sport. It's, like they're the ones who, you know, either if either if they got recruited or if they're the one, like, it's not like they're not benefiting at, benefiting at all. Like, these star players, like, they're set at school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, when they get home, uh, if they're from an unfortunate background, yeah, they may be, like, still, you know, maybe they're still struggling and things like that. But, like, you know, if they didn't have a scholarship and they go home, they would still be poor. Or if they had an academic scholarship and they went home, they would still be poor when they go home. You know what I mean? So, like... I mean, I don't know like to me like that that condition wouldn't necessarily have wouldn't have changed.
2: Um for me <clears throat> it's pretty simple bro like if you if I if I earn it give it to me. So if I earn that money if I score through 10 touchdowns and or I score 15 three-pointers in one game or whatever if I earned it and I can get it give it to me. I want it. What I do with it it's my business, what I do with it, my family, whatever. is my business. If I earn it, give it to me. That's all I got to say. How would you feel? Because at the end of the day, bro, there are so many of these uh, uh, college athletes that work so hard, bro. And then at the end of it, they have a degree to show for it. Yeah, but then they still can't get a job. Or what if, say, for example, that final season, you break your leg and you can't go pro. You have zero dollars to show for that. All that work you put in in college. You have nothing more than what? A sweatshirt, bro. And
1: and you really look at a space where you have college students who can't solely focus on academics. Going to college is difficult enough as it is. And I think. To not define what they do as labor and hard work would almost be disingenuous to what they go through every day. You have college athletes who wake up before class in the morning, lift, go to practice, go to class, go to practice after. You you have guys literally who are playing the games that we watch on ESPN. And I've experienced this. And he's in my 8 o'clock class the next morning. That's nuts. And I think to think that
2: you're,
1: yeah, and to think you're, you're solely compensated, again, I'm not undermining education. I was very happy to go get a degree. I still pay for it. Like, that's important. But at the same time, to think that that solely compensates for all that these student athletes are bringing to the table, all the wealth that they're generating, outside of the culture that they're contributing to their environment, I just think that's a really tough thing. And I'm very, very happy that the NCAA made this decision. It's largely based off of California, a liberal progressive state making this decision, and states realizing and the NCAA realizing, hey, let's hurry up and change this rule before all the great athletes go play in California so they can make some money.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like I said, it goes back to ownership because at the end of the day, like you said, they're making money off these students' apparels. Right, selling them in, inside these inside the libraries and the school museums or whatever they call them, sell these jerseys, right? If you're a good player. And like I said, ownership, that's my name on the back of the jersey. So if you're selling my name, why can't I get a dollar for it? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was the one who made that number eight jersey, the number eight jersey that everybody wants to buy. Why can't I earn from it? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's 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 very difficult. Like you said, you get up in the morning, my girlfriend. She, for example, she was a student athlete. She ran track and cross, she run, uh, tr- cross country and 800 and 1500 meters, right? So she would get up in the morning and go to practice. She got a full ride scholarship, mind you. So she'd get up in the morning, go to practice, go to class, go to practice, go to class, and go to practice again, literally, for like five days a week. And then on the weekends, you have track meet. That you have to, she got to go run her heart out. And then she's finished right now. Yeah, she got a degree and she knows a couple of people because she's a good networker. Right? But at the end of the day, she has nothing else. Like, that's it. A degree. Like, I know you go to college for a degree, but if you're going to give me, if I can get anything else out of that, give it to me. Especially if I work my ass off. So now I'm interested in how does it work for
0: people? Right. I see. I see how it benefits like star athletes. Now, how does it you know, benefit the person on the bench? Nothing. Right. Nothing does. Nothing really changes.
1: Well, I think in the end, they're in the position that they always were in. They're still getting their financial compensation through their scholarship, through the support that they're receiving through the school. But again, there are gradations of scale. And that's just like the NBA. Everybody doesn't make what LeBron makes. Everybody exactly. doesn't make what KD makes. There's a guy making the minimum. And yeah. we don't cry for that guy because that's just the way the structure works. He it's knows, performance he, he knows oriented. What he, wants. he knows what he deserves. Yeah. No. So I don't I don't think that again, I can I can see where people would say maybe that builds dissension on a team. You have a football team, you had three stars and they're making money. Completely understand that part. But That's just something that you end up dealing with because, again, we didn't have this issue when we had a team full of kids who were coming from lower or middle socioeconomic status who were playing for millionaire coaches. We never look at the coach and goes, man, he's making a lot of money. What's going on there? We don't worry about that. I don't see how an athlete would look at their quarterback and say, well, look at all the money he's making. Their coach is making money. Their AD is making money. And everybody Everybody else who can profit is profiting. All right,
0: I think that's some pretty valid points. I don't know, I was just bringing up certain concerns and th- certain thoughts of mine, but I'm man, sure man, you're
2: mind changing now, isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, um, I was just bringing up some, some points that I thought I think this is actually really beneficial, um, for students. I'm not sitting here saying that college athletes shouldn't get paid, like, that's not what I believe at all. Like, I know, you know, many college athletes, like you said, like. Um, Candice and just like and just many other college athletes like and like you said if I earned it I should be able to get it So I'm not sitting out here saying that students shouldn't be getting paid Um But I just think it's a I think it's a very interesting rule. Um, I could definitely, I do definitely want to do some more research on like why, why was this an issue in the first place? Like, what's the history behind of not being able to make money um, through the NCAA? I'm sure it probably just started off with like, you know, it seemed nice, and then they just never felt like changing it. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm sure that industry has been around for hundreds of years, probably over, depending on how long college sports has been around, which is hundreds, probably. So, um, but thank you for you know having that conversation. I'm sure our listeners learned a little something about that um so i think that kind of winds down this week's episode uh do we have any final remarks from our guests here regarding anything ownership and this uh
1: (laughs) and this topic if
2: i earned it give it to me
1: (laughs) (laughs) eat them no i'm good i'm good all right uh no thank you guys for having me and uh again man just very very impressive that guys your age, as young as you guys are, are considering ownership, thinking about that, understanding the impact on yourselves, your families, your community, and uh, hopefully that word spreads, man, that message gets out there.
0: Definitely, definitely. So thank you for being on the show. And like we discussed was, you know, ownership is very important, whether it's your own business or it's your clothing line, real estate. Real estate is probably one of the most important forms of ownership that you can definitely get yourself into. You don't have to be a real estate agent. Anybody can own a house. Anybody can do that. There are a bunch of different podcasts, videos, seminars, anything to you know, so you can learn more about how to own a home and earnest educate yourself on how to learn a home. So hopefully one day we can have probably like a professional realtor or someone on here. We did have um our friend Sebas um speak about mortgage loans a few episodes ago. So uh, we're we'll definitely trying to get. Um, more content like that out because i know i'm definitely interested in earning um owning my own home as soon as i can that's not something that you know i think that people should put on a pedestal like oh i have to wait till i'm 35 like no they're very young people like early 20s all you need you know um is a few hundred thousand dollars you know what i mean for just a quick loan and then you, you know you'll be paying rent somewhere anyway so you might as well pay towards the mortgage and own it you know what i mean so um that's something that we will definitely be look forward to uh finding people so So if any of the listeners have any suggestions or know anybody who could benefit and talk about that on the podcast, definitely reach out to us on our Instagram at everybody underscore eats podcast. Reach out to us with any suggestions. Um, If you have any topics that you're interested in for us to talk about, definitely reach out to us with that. Um and definitely we just look forward to teaching while we learn and learning while we teach and you know that's everybody eats for us giving uh, some food for thought and cooking up some ideas so uh, thanks for rocking with us make sure that you're following us on apple Podcasts google podcast spotify anywhere you listen to podcasts we're on there uh, thank you again Freddie Mullins for being on the show Corey Ornsby it's your boy Ben is there peace